Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Bream. Eric Scopel is on the show as always, and we're bringing on our newest hire, Jared Mack, our former intern, onto the show for the first time where we've got all three of us on the podcast. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, Hello. Big, big weekend for Oregon football recruiting on Saturday, July 31st, last day of the month. Uh, It's the last day for a while now, for over a month or so, where um, recruits could make true unofficial visits uh, to college campuses. And Oregon held their Saturday night live football camp um, inside Autzen Stadium. I would say there was probably, what, 200, 300 kids at this camp? Um, That sounds right. Not all Mm -hmm. of them scholarship guys. Some of them are going to be 2020 kids that are trying to impress Oregon to, to earn an invite to walk on. Some of them are 2020 guys that are committed. Some of them are 2020 guys that have offers. Some are 2020 guys that are uh, caliber of maybe landing an offer and are hoping to earn it. And then um, a real big chunk of it was the 2023, the 2024. And even as crazy as it sounds, some 2025 guys competing, uh, trying to earn some offers. We do know there's been about, I think, three or four scholarship offers that have been extended. Uh, a couple of running backs, a couple of quarterbacks have landed scholarship offers. But all in all, I, I think um, when we look back at the players that attended, to me, I mean, maybe it's just me, guys, but I, I felt like it had going in, uh, oh boy, I don't really know, is this going to be as star-studded as it was in the last previous few years? But walking out of it, it felt like it was, if not, maybe a little bit more. We have, an, I believe there are 96 recruits of note there, Matt. Yeah. And I'm not going to say why we have that number very specifically, but we do know that's the exact number of people that people were, that was import. Um, so th- yeah, so it's a large number. And I think, you mentioned the three offers coming out, two to quarterbacks, which I think is notable. Maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit here. But from the star-studded perspective, yeah, I thought some of the 2023 kids in particular were, like, really, really impressive. I, I don't even know who the – like, if you talk 2022, though, I, I think you could make an argument that there just, like, wasn't as much excitement for the immediacy. Um, Cyrus Moss uh, was probably, the, the, the like, the most yeah. notable guy that took part. And unfortunately, because he was working D-line, like, he's off in the corner and we didn't really get to watch him very much. And when we did get to watch, it was like, a, you know, there's folks in the way. He's 50 yards down the field. So it, it was a little hard to get good vantage point on him. I think Trey John Williams and uh, Stephon Johnson, two commitments, were probably maybe, to me, the most impressive 2022 players that did take part. Um, but then you, if you look at 2023 and beyond, like, yeah, there were some absolute dudes out there that were really, really impressive. I thought Jurion Dickey, a wide receiver from California, was probably, to me, the most impressive camper period in terms of just the way he performed in seven on seven. I think he had three or four of the five or six touchdown catches in the whole day in that regard. So um, he was an easy one to point out. And then there was just a bunch of, I think, impressive young offensive linemen, which is, I think, something you wouldn't be too surprised by i think if you go through and um again it was hard to see the vantage point live but go check out spencer fano 2023 you know high four-star recruit out of the state of utah go check out his twitter account there's a highlight video he has posted where he's he's beating some guys and beating them pretty handily including cyrus moss for two to three reps so i think the offensive line some of the young offensive line play 
and some of the young defensive line play was maybe some of the most impressive stuff we saw. Unfortunately, it was like kind of far away and it was a little harder to gain full idea of what took place there. Um, but yeah, all in all, a lot of really, really exciting young players that, that played. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it was probably by design that the 2023 class that was there was uh, so much more star-studded, I would say. You know, we'll probably look back and in a year or two and be like, oh, this kid was at, the, at SNL, as was he. And um, I just think, yeah, the 2022 class could fill up shortly. Um, it's still, you know, we're not scholarship geniuses over here, so we might not know exactly how many people Oregon plans on taking. But, yeah, I thought the 2023 on both sides of the ball, uh, Walker Lyons, I thought, the tight end out of California, was somebody who I thought had a tremendous camp. Uh, he just got off the line real quick and had no problems with anybody in coverage. Uh, Jay Vance, Tuapoda Johnson, excuse me for butchering that, uh, I thought he was one of the best quarterbacks of the day. He's a class of 2023. He got uh, like offered. you said, Eric and he got offered, right? Like you said, Eric Jurion Dickey was unreal. He reminded me a lot of how Dante Thornton was at Saturday Night Live in 2019, just the best wide receiver on the on like the entire camp. And another tight end, Riley Williams. Um, I thought you know, he's a high high four star already in the class of 2023. And I thought he, he showed it in his physical stature and his playmaking abilities. I felt like maybe Jared said it best where this kind of a football camp is designed in my eyes more almost for the underclassmen than it is for the upperclassmen. Like when you look at Oregon's recruiting class right now and you see the fact that they're basically done with their 2022 class. They have 16 verbal commitments at most. They, they, in a normal year, they can sign nine, which would bring them to 25, but this probably isn't going to be a full class. Even if they try to, um, it's probably going to be closer to, to 23, 22, 21. So you're looking at it like really four to maybe seven or eight spots that are open. Um, and Oregon had a good chunk of their verbal commitments, um, on campus. I, I think three of their five guys were there. Dave Uli, Trajan Williams, Grayson Halton, um, TJ Dudley was supposed to be there and he was one where we really couldn't confirm one way or the other, if he was here or not. Um, Tanner Bailey, their four-star quarterback was there. Amarion Winston was there, um, we also had Stephen Johnson, uh, Stephen Johnson, and and Sir Mel's, uh, two other three star guys that were currently committed that they were there. Um, but I think this is and this, Saturday Night Live is a big reason why I think Oregon is being able to recruit at such a high level year in and year out is because they bring in a really good underclassman list and they make really big impressions. They get way ahead of uh, the rest of the conference on some of these high-profile recruits out West, and it ends up paying off tremendously when a sophomore signs his national letter of intent two years later. I mean, go back um, to that 2021 recruiting class, the one that signed this past year, um, and look at the guys that attended a Saturday night live football camp as an underclassman. Kingsley Saomatia did it. 
Troy Franklin did it. Dante Thornton did it. Um, Keith Brown did it. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jalen Davies did it. Jackson Light did it. Um, Keanu Williams did it. Uh, Seven McGee did it. Uh, Jonah Miller did it. Um, I'm pretty sure Brandon Buckner did it. I mean, that's almost half the class in 2021 that participated not only as a, you know, they, they couldn't do it going into their senior year because of COVID, but as an underclassman, they went out and came to Eugene for a Saturday night live event and ended up signing with Oregon two years later. I think that is the, you know, we're so, so many people are kind of focused on the big picture the immediate impact of Saturday night live for the right. current senior group. But I think this is, why Oregon does it is getting young guys on campus. Well, there, there's more direct ways to impact 2022 recruits. That's official visits, right? And yeah. they just hosted a ton of those kids in June. The other ones that didn't make it out in June will make it out this season for fall, you know, for uh, games. And I'm going to guess you're going to see a lot more unofficial visits made in general in the fall, just because a ton of people weren't able to make visits at all until June and they, a bunch of made officials. Um, but you're right in terms of building this class. I, I think the, the the heavy lifting for the 2022s were, were done in the past. And now the, the heavy lifting for the 23s and 24s start now. Let's transition really quick just to who got offered um, because I think that's important. There are three offers that we know of right now, at least that have been reported. And if you guys can correct me if I missed one, um, but two quarterbacks and a running back, um, all 23 or 24 recruits. Jared already mentioned this name, uh, Javance Tupatua. Johnson, again, I butchered the name in a different way than Jared did, but that's 0 for 2 for this podcast. Yours, um, yours sounded better than mine, that's for sure. I think I just said it <laughs> faster and with more confidence, um, which is my which is what I do with all of these names. Um, I, 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 who, I, by the way, we thought was the most impressive quarterback there. Um, had some really, really good, impressive drives. Not surprised he got an offer. And then 2024 uh, quarterback Austin Mack. Um, out of Intercom, California, also re- sorry, out of Folsom, California, also received an offer. Tall, lean, impressive arm strength. I thought um, somebody that certainly like stood out. I don't think he was considered like the most impressive that we saw, but obviously the coaches were, were really impressed with him. And then a running back in 2023, Cameron Taylor, out of Riverside Prep in California, 5'11", 175, um, currently a three-star guy. I think notable that Oregon offers a running back considering some kind of question marks going forward, both in 2022 and 23 about kind of who the priorities are, but there was also a 2024 running back that got offered. It happened. He announced it like really late last night. Oh, um, okay. Uh, let's who Jason might that Brown forced. Uh, he's yeah. a 2024 player out of O'Day high school um, in Seattle area. And he's unranked because he's 2024, but he's got a UW Florida state, Nevada, Oregon State, Texas, USC, Utah, Washington State, and now an Oregon offer. So kind of gives you an idea of, while he's unranked, he's already got probably the three, the four best schools in the Pac-12 offering him scholarships. And then he's got a Texas and a Florida State offering him already as well. So four offers, two quarterbacks, two running backs. Kind of interesting that they focus on those two positions, by the way, like I mean, because I, mean, I guess part of this was, again, we the, the, the list of top guys at position groups, most of the offensive linemen have offers already that are, are of note. Most of yeah. the wide receivers have offers that are of mm-hmm. note. A lot of the defensive guys have offers that are of note. Um, 
And so maybe it's not a surprise that quarterback running back was a priority. Um, and having watched the camp, I will say that I, I was really impressed with all four players that did get offers. Um, the 24 guys, gosh, it's hard to really know. And I guess that's part of the guessing game. That's why you want to get them um, face-to-face at a camp setting to really see them because evaluating on film is one thing, but seeing them in person, trying to project some of the physical limitations maybe is the other. Um, obviously, a guy like Mac, who, by the way, not related to Jared. No, can, no relation. Can you confirm? <laughs> yeah, thank clear. You. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks for clarifying. I think listeners might have been very confused, especially if they went and looked at Austin's profile picture on uh, Two Four Seven Sports. Um, that, but, I'd but agree, yeah. <laughs> from a frame perspective, like uh, th- you can see what's projectable there, and see why a kid like that would get an offer, especially a younger player. Um, and it's going to be mm-hmm. fun with it's going to be fun, frankly, with these twenty four kids that pick up offers now to see what they look like at next year's SNL camp, right? Because they're probably going to be brought back um, and so forth. So. I think it's really interesting that four offers made. How about this, though? We talked about leading into this kind of like we expected some some action from a commitment perspective. None of that so far. Does that surprise you at all, Matt? Um, sort of, but only because we normally get maybe one or two a year, a year at minimum verbally committing. But at the same time, it's like right. the right. there's only a few spots left. And I mean, Cyrus Moss could be a guy that that could maybe make a verbal commitment, or maybe a you know a Jill Tucker or a Jill Florence. Um, but all three of those guys are kind of in a they don't need to secure a spot with Oregon. Um, Darius Clemens, a four star receiver, top prospect in Oregon, he was there not participating, but he was there for the weekend. He announced the top three. Uh, Oregon made the cut with Penn State and Auburn. Um, maybe that's a guy that that could try and, and get it. Um, I mean, I think probably the the guy that stole the camp, Damani Dent, a three star yeah. safety that's from Jacksonville, Florida, that's committed to Akron. Like, just showed up at the like he didn't just show up, but like no one really even knew he was on Oregon's radar. No one. He showed out. Yeah, we didn't know who we didn't even know Damani Dent existed until the camp. And he was probably the most impressive player, not the most talented, but just the most impressive. And if he if he gets an offer from Oregon, he's gonna commit. Like I, I don't know how I don't know what he would be waiting for unless he thinks some bigger schools than Oregon, which there aren't very many out there. Well, I was going to say though, it sounds like he's been really, really good at a bunch of Southeastern camps too. Like this is a guy who's blowing up on the circuit. So I don't know if he's like an immediate commitment, but yeah, if it's just Oregon and Akron and then his other offers list, which is like Eastern Kentucky and Georgia yeah. state, it's, that's a pretty easy mm-hmm. choice. <laughs> so like, I'm not you know, too yeah. surprised, but I wouldn't be surprised if in six weeks we look back and, you know, there's a couple commitments from this, from this weekend. Well, and the reason I bring up surprise or the concept of that is that it does feel like in the past, and again, I have to go back to 2019, 2018, 2017, and, and try to use my long-term memory, which maybe is not as good as it should be. It feels like though there's a, at least a, there's a feeling I have of like, it usually results in two to three kind of almost immediate commitments. And, and, and actually typically there, I think have been at least, I know at least a couple of times there's been commitments that take place during the camp and we have to like jump over to the side and, and write our stories um, I, know, I remember doing that a couple of times. So that's kind of the point I brought up here. It's, it's sort of interesting. A lot of offers or four offers, not a lot, four offers, no commitments. I think I would have anticipated there would have been 
at least one or two guys that popped. And again, we're recording this Monday at 920 um, Pacific time. Certainly yeah, I pop, think certainly I thought there would be one going in. Yeah, exactly. Going into the weekend, yeah. I figured there'd be at least one, but it hasn't been. But at the same time, like I just think the logic behind why maybe there isn't because Oregon's big game fishing now, and those guys don't have to make a commitment to secure their spot. So it kind of impacts things a little bit. Was there Matt? Was there a? We've talked about guys Jared and I really liked, and I know those are a lot of the alpha dogs that. By the way, you can go check out DuckTerritory.com, who, those who have not checked out um, our content post-event. Got a couple stories kind of analyzing the players. There were the alpha dogs of instant reactions. Those are both on DuckTerritory.com. We also have follow-up interviews with several recruits who, who made it out. Matt, are there a couple names that you want to mention? You mentioned Damani Dent, which, by the way, we should have mentioned him pre- previously. Certainly one of the players that stood out. Um, other guys maybe, Matt, that Jared and I maybe didn't mention? I, I think the fact that we've talked about Cyrus Moss a little bit, but he had like a bunch of Oregon assistants always around him. Like you could tell like he was one of the guys that Oregon staff was really trying to a get better, B make a big impression to put themselves in a position to get a verbal commitment. So I think that is of note. Um, we should also mention Washington commit Ben Roberts. Yeah. Was there. Like he wasn't mm-hmm. participating, but he was on campus for an unofficial visit, a three-star defensive tackle. And he's from the Salt Lake city, Utah area. He doesn't come to Eugene. I know there was a lot of scuttle of, well, is he there just with this, his seven on seven FSP team and just, you know, going with his friends or whatnot. It's not like, let's just make this clear here. It's not like Ben Roberts gets a phone call from a couple guys on his F on his FSP seven on seven team saying, Hey man, we're going to Utah or we're going to Eugene tomorrow. Do you want to come with? We've got an extra spot in the car. Just checking in and see if you want to come. It's going to be a good time. No, nothing serious. And it's yeah, sure. I'll hop in the car with you. What time are you going to pick me up? Okay. I'll be ready to go. He had to get on a plane and when you're going to commit, I don't care what kind of financial background you have. When you commit yourself to getting on a plane, getting a hotel room, getting the transportation, that's a significant investment in money to do that. I mean, it's not, you can't get from Salt Lake City to Eugene for under $100. Especially, oh, no. No. especially like on a last minute decision, too. It's, so, uh, it's, it's about $600, I believe, round trick as somebody who may be going in November. Right. So this decision by Ben Roberts to show up into, into, into Oregon and check out the Duck program, this wasn't uh, just, hey, my friends are going. I'm just going for the ride as well. Like, yeah, it's, is, not like, it's not like he ben caught Roberts the same. Is legitimately serious at going to Oregon. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's not like it would be one thing if he was based in Seattle and it was like he hopped on a, on a, on a van with a couple other guys from right. Seattle and came down. No, he came from a different state. <laughs> like that's not accidental. And I think it's definitely significant. And I'm also aware, um, and Oregon fans listening will take great delight in this. This is something that Washington fans, on at least on Oregon's 247 site, are not real excited about taking place. Their recruiting class is not going very well. And Roberts, who would not be like the you know headliner of Oregon's current 2022 class, 
is one of Washington's top commitments. And this would certainly be somebody at a position of need. I think you still want to find some interior defensive linemen. Um, this would be a really significant person to flip from a school. Again, you'd actually be taking two defensive interior defensive linemen that were committed to Washington because Sir Mel's did that earlier and then flipped to Oregon in June. And you would be flipping them from your rival school at a position, again, that there just isn't a lot of depth out west on. Um, I think that would be Honestly, that would be a storyline in it of itself if Oregon does that and gets Roberts and Mel's. You can say, hey, look, they, they flipped a couple of guys from Washington. Um, one other player that we haven't talked about, and honestly, I think hasn't gotten a lot of attention. Matt and I were standing watching the running back drills, and we look over, and there's a, a clear recruit who's not taking part. We look at his name badge. It's Javante Barnes. Um, he's a eighth best running back in the class of 2022 out of Las Vegas. So this is potentially – Oregon, like I don't, I think like Oregon's offered. They've been known to be kind of in on Barnes, but like his top five right now: Alabama, Florida State, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, and USC. Oregon not considered like in the mix, really. I think it's kind of notable that he's there, don't you think, Matt? Um, I'm just like off the top of the head, you don't bring in a kid like that just to have him watch if you don't think you have a shot. And because Oregon doesn't really have a clear cut like top target at running back in 2022, part of me wonders if we just discovered who that might be. Yeah, I agree. I, I, this is, um, he's one of the best running backs in the country. Um, the composite has him as the eighth best running back nationally. 24 seven sports has him as the 12th best running back nationally. And when you look at running backs out West, he's easily a top three guy. I think two guy. He's one of the top. Um, he's one of the top guys. Yeah, he's he's the, he's the number two running back out west, second to uh, Relic Brown, who's currently committed to Oklahoma. I guess Gavin Shawchuk is also out west. He's in Colorado. He's also committed to Oklahoma. Um, and Javante Barnes. I mean, it's like how many running backs is Oklahoma going to take? The Sooners have forty percent of the crystal balls for Javante Barnes. So, I think if you're Oregon, you need a running back. And I think Verdell has been a very solid to really good running back. I don't think Verdell has been partly because he can't stay healthy, um, an elite running back at Oregon. And I think running back, receiver, quarterback to a degree, and maybe, you know, a defensive tackle type guy are the positions that Oregon still needs to go out and land like a five-star home run hitter um, at that position. Because when you look at Oregon and you look at Clemson, you look at Ohio state, you look at Alabama, you look at Auburn or LSU, excuse me. Um, in my eyes, Oregon is the same, if not better up front along the offensive line um, with those schools. I think their DBs are on par. I think their linebackers, the last couple of classes, have have really been able to upgrade and get to a point where they're very similar. Tight end, same thing. But when you look at the defensive tackles, when you look at the running backs, and when you look at the receivers, they just physically look different than what Oregon has at the position right now. And I think I think running back – with, with Thornton and, and, and Franklin and Brevard and some of the other guys that they've got committed in this current class, 
that's going to fix itself in the next couple of cycles. I think at quarterback, you've you've got Robbie Ashford, you've got Ty Thompson, you've got Jay Butterfield, uh, you've got Tanner Bailey coming in as well. That's kind of you're almost there. I'm not sold 100% yet, but you're trending that way. But at running back, it still doesn't feel like Oregon has a championship caliber running back on its roster. And and Javante Barnes kind of fits that mold. He just physically looks different than every other guy that Oregon has on its roster. Now, we'll see what a Brian Carwell looks like this year. We'll see what a Trey Benson looks like. Um, you know, Oregon has those speedy guys, Seven McGee, um, Travis Dye, uh, you know, the guys that are sub six foot and sub 200 pounds, sub 190 pounds, really. And, you know, or- Oregon has those guys, but find me a team that won a national championship where that's your primary running back. Um, so I, I, Javante Barnes might, you might be right, Eric. He might turn into kind of the Oregon's kind of like, Hey, we don't necessarily need a running back, but if we do go out and get one because of numbers perspective, Javante Barnes is our number one guy. So what do you think? I was just going to, Jared, I'd love for you to talk. I was just going to throw you a question. So go for it. Okay. I was going to zag on your Javante Barnes take real quick. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that a running back is only as good as their offensive line. And so well, it would be good for Oregon to potentially go out and seek a five-star running back or a high four-star, whatever it may be. I do think we can look at C. David L. and Travis Dye as two like, equal success stories who are lower-rated recruits. But when you put them on an offensive line with Panay Sewell and four NFL draft picks, they, you know, C. David L. is a top 10 rusher in Oregon history now. Um, so I think if Oregon continues to dominate on the offensive line, that no matter who lines up in the backfield, the running game will continue to be good. And it'll only get better if they add, uh, you know, the high four-star, high five-star guys, of course. But I don't think it's, I think they would probably need to put more effort into the defensive tackle, the defensive line recruiting, Matt, like you were saying, where those those kids just aren't as easily accessible, I would say, on the West Coast, where in the South, they're seemingly just, almost in every high school's football field, you can kind of walk back there and say, there's the kid I need. Yep. And I, yeah, I think Oregon will maybe with the, with now like a direct flight to the Dallas area, you kind of see them going into Texas more. Um, maybe that'll help along those lines. But as for running backs, I do think that offensive line help and play is what equals a good running game more than a running back. So, with that theory, are you thinking that just the reason why Oregon hasn't had product, you know, truly like top three, top four running back nationally production is because Verdell hasn't been able to stay healthy because Oregon's offensive line the last two or three years has been really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And when he has been healthy, uh, you've, you've seen him be excellent at points. Uh, at the game against, Washington State in 2019. I can't remember how many yards he ran for, but it was closer to 300 than it was 200. Right. And uh, Colorado, he had a big game as well. You know, these like when he was healthy, it was it was open lanes for him. And I think honestly, like most running backs could have hit that hole. 
and very, this isn't to you know disrespect C. David L. I still think he's a great running back, but uh, you know the offensive line talent that Oregon has had for the past couple of years, I think, has been a better help um, in the running running game department, and it will continue to be a bigger help than getting the five star running back because if the five star running back doesn't have anywhere to go, he's going to get tackled just like the three star running back. It was 257 yards against Washington State in 19. That's fourth all-time on Oregon's single-game list. And that you're right, the highs have been really high with Verdell. What, what I wanted to ask you earlier, Jared, was mm-hmm. we haven't mentioned the name Tanner Bailey. He's Oregon's quarterback yeah. commitment, four-star out of Alabama. This is our first time seeing him in person. And I will say it was the quarterbacks, I don't think we probably caught more than 10 to 20 reps total of the quarterbacks just because of the way the camp was set up. What were your like? What did you take away from Tanner, Jared? Just because, I mean, down the line here, he could be somebody that plays or, or starts. I mean, did you did you see that potential from him? Yeah, I saw a little bit of it. Like you were saying, it was hard to even see the quarterbacks for the most part. Um, the best look I got of Tanner was during the seven on sevens, where he led the first drive down the field. Um, he didn't do great on that drive, admittedly. It was the first seven-on-seven attempt, uh, and usually defenses do a little bit better. But I think he's got – I think he still has a projectable frame. Uh, he's got a good arm. You know, he's got his baseball background. Um, I think he could shorten up his, his delivery a little bit. But I do think that he, at the time, during the seven-on-sevens, he made the right reads. Um, and, so yeah, no, I, I can see him – still coming in and, and competing. I don't know if it'll ever be a number one spot considering Ty Thompson might, or Ashford or Butterfield might be the person to take over for presumably Anthony Brown in 2022. But I think he'll come in and he'll provide solid depth. And if he can, you know, mature and mature physically, not mature, I'm sure he's a good kid. Um, if he can mature physically and, and, you know, work on his footwork and things like that. I think he can um, really compete and give one of those guys a run for their money. Well, I just, well, I was just one last thought before I thought to you, Matt, I I just wanted to say with Bailey, I think physically he is nowhere near as impressive as the guys currently on the roster. I know he's a high school kid and that's going to be the case, but like, I mean, Jared couldn't stop ogling the calves of Mr. (laughs) Robbie Ashford. I mean, and, and we'll say that guy put together in a toe. He looks like he could be playing outside linebacker. He's that physically impressive. Ty Thompson, same kind of thing. Jay Butterfield's at least much taller. Like Tanner Bailey's like, let's just be like upfront with it. He's a really, he's not a particularly physically imposing person. I mean, he's probably six feet maybe. Um, and, and not like, I mean, and we should know pointed him out dudes wearing green sleeves which you don't usually see at an event like this especially you were not a fan. Heat. i was <laughs> my goodness no. i i was okay with the sleeves i think it was J- J- jared wasn't jared the the the, sle- the sleeve truther i thought no no, was- no 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 you no, were the sleeve no truther. you weren't you were not the fan here oh boy no. <laughs> not at all exposing myself not to throw you under the bus <laughs> but you'll listen to me just roll my my bones crunch as it rolls over and over again thanks guys <laughs> I, I thought the thing the way i look at tanner bailey is he is the perfect quarterback to have following a year in which or really two years in which you go out and you've signed two guys in jay butterfield and robbie ashford that are high profile four-star guys 
And then the following year, you signed Ty Thompson, who is your highest rated quarterback commit in program history. Tanner Bailey is, I think, that perfect bridge guy where you look at him and say, he's good enough to be the quarterback at Oregon. He's good enough to be the guy that could have successful seasons, multiple successful seasons at the quarterback position. But he's also going to be a guy that's probably, and this isn't necessarily a slight to him, but he's a guy that's going to be okay saying like, hey, I'm going to redshirt in 2022. In 2023, I probably still won't be the starting quarterback, and that's okay. I'm willing to wait. And then in 2024 is when I'll go out and try and compete and earn that starting job. Um, and we'll see what he's, he looks like from a physical standpoint, you know, three years from now. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that's the kind of quarterback that you're going to get. And this is no slight to him at all. You know, Tanner Bailey is still a four-star quarterback. He's still one of Oregon's highest rated verbal commitments in this recruiting class. I think he's the fifth highest guy that's rated at this or seventh highest guy at, you know, in this class, he's the 18th best quarterback nationally. He's a top 240 player. Um, you, you, I think if that's kind of like your, your floor mm -hmm. of the quarterback room, that's really good. And I don't even think that's a fair assessment for him too. Like, I think he's good enough to to show up and to be a two or a three year starter for Oregon. It's just he's going to need a couple of years. I don't think he's being viewed as a guy that many people looked at Ty Thompson the year before as he might show up day one and win the job. And that's and that's okay. I th I think that's an important distinction to make. Um, you know, and and it's going to be interesting to see him develop because may maybe I'm totally off base on this based upon the fact that he's a shorter quarterback and I've got some like height prejudice. I just much prefer the way the current guys on the roster look physically sure. to Bailey. If you're talking about competing for national championships, obviously there are quarterbacks who have an immense success in the NFL. I mean, you got Russell Wilson and Drew Brees who are undersized, who are similar size as Bailey, but the, the majority of those guys are, the six four six five quarterbacks that Oregon currently has on the roster. And one of the things I do just like about the makeup of Oregon's quarterback room right now is two of the three guys physically just straight up look the part. I mean, Ashford and Thompson look like, and these are eight, 19, 18 year old kids. And they just look like they could be playing in the NFL purely from a physical perspective, I'm not talking about their talent. So um, Bailey's just a different animal. He's just a totally different kind of build and body type. And I, again, I thought he may had some really nice moments. I just think it's it's a different thing than what we've seen previously, where we're sure. has a, a Ty Thompson in a camp like that. For sure. I mean, when it, it's right. it's one hundred percent noticeable when you sign a six five guy, a six five guy, a six six guy, and then the next guy that you sign or you land a verbal commitment from is six foot one at best. Like yeah. that's that, that's just noticeably a different style of quarterback was, was there anything else that we need to talk about from Saturday night live? Like we've talked about the lack of commitments, how we are kind of surprised, but at the same time, we don't necessarily think it's that big of a concern. We saw some guys that showed up that were impressive. Um, Spencer Fano. I think we talked about him a little bit, but yeah, 
I think Oregon's put themselves in a position now where they kind of run Utah. And my general feeling is between going out and landing Pene Sewell and then a couple years later you go out and you, you land your his younger brother. And then this past season, you go out and you land Kingsley Suomatia, you, you land Jackson Light, two, two guys along the offensive line. And then your 2022 recruiting class, you don't have any verbal commitments from Utah yet, but you're positioning yourself for being probably the front runner for the next elite offensive tackle to come out of Utah. And that's Spencer Fano. And it, it almost feels like while he hasn't said this, it kind of feels like Oregon's put themselves in a position where it'd be more of a shock if he doesn't land with Oregon than he does anybody else. Okay. I'm really happy you brought this up, Matt, because I think it was Sunday morning. Kingsley Sue with Mattia quote tweeted something that, the, the, actually, I mentioned earlier, Spencer Fano had tweeted out a bunch of his highlights, and they were really impressive highlights. And Kingsley had quote tweeted it, um, you know, and encouraging him to go to Oregon kind of thing. And I, I just from a moment was like, I've seen this movie before. I know how it ends. When, when Oregon has this relationship with these kids out of Utah, with the Polynesian background, there's like this brotherhood with these kids. And I just have a sense that, that this, is, this is the same thing again. And Fano could be just as good as these other guys. Athletically, I mean, he was super impressive. I, I, again, I recommend if you're, if you're on Twitter or if you're on Duck Territory and you haven't seen it, go, go, go check out Spencer Fano and go watch the highlights just from the SNL event. Go watch his reps against Cyrus Moss. Go watch his reps against Grayson Halton, who in the video is number six. Um, that's an Oregon commitment. Those are top defensive line recruits in the 2022 class, a year older than Fano. And Fano is kind of kicking their butts. Yeah. And again, it's it's his highlights. He's posting the good ones. There's probably ones where he didn't look quite as good. I, in fact, I know there were because I saw a couple of them from a distance. But for the most part, that guy was was just money. And again, I think this could be another thing where, yeah, he becomes the replacement to Kingsley or something down the line, or he's at least on the roster with them. And, and again, I could see him. He's currently 247 Sports' uh, 45th best overall player in the 2023 class, fourth best offensive tackle. He could be close to a five-star recruit when this is all said and done. And again, I think I'm happy you brought that up because it, it was one of the things I took away on Sunday of like, ah, I kind of see where this is headed again. I knew who Fando was, but I wasn't quite sure he was this high profile. You see he's this high profile and you see the relationship he already has with some of the guys on Oregon's roster and the right. staff. And it's just like, this is where I, it's pretty clear to me, at least for a couple of years down the line, it feels like that's where that's going. Yeah. I, I just feel like Oregon's put themselves in a position now where, and it's been this way, not only just for Utah players, but if if you're a top five tackle or a top five offensive lineman on the West Coast, it's almost like you automatically have Oregon in, in your top two. Like, yeah. And that's mm-hmm. kind of crazy to think about. It's going to do it for us here on the Autzen Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this Saturday Night Live recap. We went probably a little long on this one, but... Uh, a ton to break down and a ton to discuss. And the next couple of days, we're going to be breaking out more and more podcasts. Almost on, a, We're almost at that point where it's a daily basis for the show. Uh, fall camp is right around the corner. We expect it to start this week. Um, and the Oregon Ducks are gearing up for it. So we'll have full coverage of that here on the podcast. More in-depth stuff on DuckTerritory.com. Make sure you go and subscribe 
to the podcast, which is free. Also, subscribe to DuckTerritory.com, which helps provide us the uh, backing to do these shows as often as we do them. For all three of us, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.